What's up, everybody? Welcome to a bonus episode of Press YYZ. This is normally your one-stop shop where we bring you all the best video game discussion with a uniquely Canadian twist. Um, but we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, as you can see, it's just the two of us. We've got the excellent Cozy on the Ray. Cozy, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well today. This is the first episode of Press YZ uh, in which I'm using my Sony A6100, which I just, just recently set up. I think it looks pretty good, although I am still kind of coming to grips with how the camera works. So I'd imagine that it will look better in the future. Cool. No, that's awesome. Um, excited about new camera tech. Uh, I'm wondering when I get my new Pixel later this year, because we'll be due for an upgrade, if I should turn my Pixel 4 into a webcam and have two. Because uh, the Pixel 4 has a pretty decent camera on it. So, um, but while we're, um, let me finish up with the intro as we've introduced Cozy. Uh, as a reminder, you can find us at on Press YYZ on Twitter. Uh where you can send us feedback, ask us questions. We have our Discord that you can join uh, as well. Uh, my name is Nathan McInerney. You guys should be familiar with me at this point. Um, so thank you everybody for hanging out. So as you can see, it's a little bit different. It's just Cozy and I here. Uh, so we thought we'd uh, change plans up a little bit, and we have. So today we're going to do something a little bit different, something we haven't done in a while. I'm going to take a few minutes to interview Cozy. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter show as we go through Cozy's gaming history. Um, and figure out what makes Cozy tick. So I'm excited about this. Oh, I'm excited too. And for the record, like the other two episodes, the other two one-on-one -on -one episodes, which I believe like happened a year and a half ago, were also like an hour each. So yep. this is, you know, very much part of for the course in that regard. So yeah, no, um, this is exciting. So uh, let's jump into some questions. If you're ready, Cozy, are you ready to be under the, uh, is it the hot light? What do they call the light when they put you in the police the station and they shine it down on you? Spotlight? It's not a spotlight at a police station. I don't know. The limelight? The limelight? Hmm. No. All these work in different scenarios, but the police station one, it doesn't. Maybe the hot lights? Because gonna... they're to make you sweat? The hot light? So are you talking like an interrogation situation? Yes. Where they put like, you in like one of those. Yeah. Yeah. If you're handcuffed to a table and then somebody was interrogating you. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Nothing's coming to mind. Sorry. All right. oh, that's fine. Metaphors don't work all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So let's jump right into it, Cozy. So I've got a few important questions here for you. I guess the biggest one, and this is a question a lot of people really do get. But what's your favorite game of all time? My favorite game of all time uh, is a game that I have definitely talked about a few times on the podcast, but I don't know how intimately. Uh, it's Pokemon Emerald version. Uh, this is the kind of conclusion of the trilogy of the Gen 3 games set in the Hoenn region uh, mm -hmm. from the third generation of Pokemon. You had Pokemon Ruby, you had Pokemon Sapphire, you have Pokemon Emerald. Uh, and yeah, that game is pretty much, I would say at this point, unequivocally my favorite game. It would be very difficult for other games to top it. And Emerald's one of those weird third releases, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the first Pokemon game that I ever officially owned, not the first game that I had ever played, but the one that I like owned and was mine was Pokemon Sapphire which okay. is like part of the first two games of that trilogy. Uh, Pokemon Sapphire was, you know, a game that I have a lot of fond memories of. And I really enjoyed playing through. Pokemon Emerald, I got a couple years later. Uh, I got it shortly after it released in like 2005. Um, and, you know, a lot of people oftentimes criticize the kind of third entry in these Pokemon game series for not really adding that much more content for just being kind of a, a minor facelift. And I would not describe Pokemon Emerald as being a tremendous facelift over Pokemon Ruby slash Sapphire, but it did add in a lot of cool new things. Uh, none the least of which was a facility in the game called the Battle Frontier, which is a post-game section of the game where basically you can kind of put your 
knowledge of Pokemon battling to the test in all sorts of crazy facilities that kind of remix the rules that you're familiar with. There's like one facility where you're like walking around a maze at, that's all dark. And if you fight Pokemon, the brighter it gets and the easier it becomes to navigate the maze. But if you um, don't fight Pokemon, you know, you potentially conserve your hit points, for example. There's another facility where you're exclusively using like Pokemon that you rent uh, from the facility, and every time that you beat an opposing trainer, you can swap out one of the Pokemon that you have with a Pokemon from the uh, opponent's party. Uh, all those like facilities in the post game really kind of kept me coming back to Emerald so much so that to this day I have not actually beaten every single facility in the game, and I I hope to do so soon because oh wow, Game Boy Advance games not like known for like being pretty hardy known for not like conking out on you uh in terms of uh their memories but mm -hmm. eventually my copy of pokemon emerald will degrade uh, enough so that uh i don't have it on hand i'm not i can't like pull it out of a, a top hat but i did buy a piece of hardware that would allow me to save my emerald save online and i need to get around to that at some point this year interesting okay okay now to be clear Sapphire and Omega, uh, Sapphire and Ruby were the originals, and then yep. that was, and they got remade into Omega Sapphire and yep. something Ruby, uh, Alpha, Sapphire, Alpha Sapphire, Alpha Sapphire, and Omega Ruby, Omega Ruby, because my boys have yep. both of those games, but the third one yep. was never remade, right? Like no. Emerald wouldn't have been remade, and would any of no. those elements end up in the remade versions? No, and it's it, it's kind of frustrating because. Um, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, I enjoyed. I um like I don't generally like to rate things on the ten point scale. If I were to rate them, they would both get like an eight point five. They're good oh, that's remakes. Yeah. They they have a lot of good quality of life features, but they were lacking in a few uh you know things that Emerald brought to the table. None the least of which, once again, was the Battle Frontier. And what made it really kind of painful, what made it really painful, Nathan, is that. Mm -hmm. In the post-game of both Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, you go to an island that is geographically the exact same island that the Battle Frontier is set upon, but on that island, you can do like a bunch of other activities that are not taking part in the Battle Frontier. But if you go to the center of the island, there's like a mini like diorama of what okay. all of the facilities in the Battle Frontier will look like. And in front of them is a plate that says like, oh, hey, Battle Frontier under construction. But of course you know, in the timeline of the game, you never actually get to experience it. And I thought oh. that was just a, a really mean-spirited tease. You know, maybe if they had released Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire on the Switch, they could have, like, later added in the Battle Frontier via an update, which yep. would have been really swell. But unfortunately, that was not to be because they were 3DS games. Gotcha. Okay, okay. All right, well, all right. Well, that answers our first question. I'm not surprised to hear Pokemon game took that top spot. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, not surprising at all, but that's perfectly on brand. And that's awesome. Um, okay, so second question. This is more, let's delve into what got you into video games in the first place. So who or what was your, um, was like the big bane of cozy playing games? The big bang of cozy playing games. I don't know what was the first video game that I ever played. I, um, I do have very early memories of playing a version of Pac-Man on a computer at a friend of my father's uh, house. Mm -hmm. um, the, the first game that I like have really intimate memories of that I like actually owned was um, my parents back in the day bought me Pajama Sam. I, I forget the, the subtitle. It's like, don't be afraid to turn off the dark or something like that. Uh, it's... Okay. Um, I think that might be I may be confusing it with the Spider-Man musical to be honest but it was a it was a Pajama Sam game which um in case you don't know Pajama Sam is a uh adventure game protagonist yes. uh you know a series aimed at like very kind of young kids but still like filled with a lot of um like quality animation and quality storytelling and dialogue because it was partially created by Ron Gilbert, who's sort of like the godfather of a lot of those old school adventure games. Uh, I remember that game and like a couple of putt-putt games, which were from the same development company, Humongous Entertainment, were games that I rocked real early on in my, you know, kind of gaming life. Uh, and then 
once I kind of understood, okay, I like video games. Um, I remember, you know, beginning to kind of pester my parents, like, hey, I'd love like a proper video game console. What's really kind of, um, you know, what's really funny about this question is I'm trying to think back in my head to like, how did I learn about video game consoles? How did I learn first about the SNES or the N64 or the GameCube or any of these consoles? You know, Mm -hmm. because like, I think of myself now as being somebody who does a lot of research and really, you know, uh, is good at you know gaining an intimate knowledge of the things I'm buying into, and is the and the cozy of the past is being the kind of guy who wouldn't do any sort of research at all. But clearly, I did some research. I understood like, hey, there's GameCubes and PlayStation Twos and other consoles of this ilk out in the wild that are producing really good quality games. Um, I think my parents didn't want me to. They didn't want to like buy into a really big, expensive video game console, only yeah. to discover that this is just a passing like a f- fad for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so instead, they asked my uh, older cousin uh, Jordan Trevisano uh, if he had any video game consoles and games that he'd be willing to hand down to me. And he's like, "Sure. Uh, here is my Super Nintendo with like." of like the hits from the Super Nintendo so you had Super Mario World you had the Donkey Kong Country Trilogy you had a uh, not the we've talked about this game in the past the Power Rangers game that was based on the show rather than the the movie movie. yeah not Power Rangers Uh, the movie the game just power right the the other one uh there was a uh the video game based on the Batman the animated series from Konami uh it was a a really like like, you know, what's funny about it is there are a lot of parents nowadays who are like, oh man, I want to introduce video games to my kids and I, I really want to introduce them to the classics first. And like my parents and my cousin kind of did that to me, but like totally inadvertently. This was not a conscious effort to be like, hey, we want you to start with the classics. This was just them being like, we don't want to buy you a brand new spanking console, so let's just have... um your cousin hand you down his old console that he doesn't want anymore. And that coincidentally happened to be a console with a lot of classics on it. Yeah, no, I I look back at the Super Nintendo personally, and I still think that's probably the best console to ever be made and has the best library that holds up today. Hmm. Um, Because I don't think NES games hold up as well as people think they do. Yeah. Um, And I I think... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I... I just want to say I was very fortunate in that regard because one of the games that I got for the SNES as part of that big, you know, windfall for my cousin was Super Mario All Stars, the yeah. 16-bit remake of the first three uh, plus lost levels Mario games, and like that was I'm definitely glad that I got to experience uh, the games in that fashion. Not that I would have you know, like necessarily hated Super Mario Bros. three if I played it on the NES first, but getting to play them all kind of upgraded in that fashion, I think was pretty integral to me enjoying those games as well. Yeah, I know a hundred percent. Okay. So cool. Well, now we understand how cozy got into games. Now let's talk about a game that you thought you'd like, but you actually ended up hating is, or and maybe hating is a strong word, but a game that you had hype for you were hyped for it and it just didn't hit. This is tough. I mean, there are a lot of... See, I'm trying to think about... I'm trying to think of a game that is very, like, integral in terms of my formative, like, video game experiences. Because, like, I can say right off the bat, off the top of my head, that um, Paper Mario Sticker Star on the 3DS was a game that I was looking forward to, as I love the Paper Mario games, and it was definitely pretty... Uh, like disappointed by with the final product but i feel like i don't know i don't i would not describe myself as incredibly disappointed by that in the way that i've been disappointed by other things in life okay okay hmm 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 <sighs> can you come back to me on this one okay yeah no let's uh come back to that i'll definitely um, think about it yeah no problems um Okay, so this one's an interesting question because mm. everybody, there's popular games out there that everybody seems to love, but maybe they just don't drive with you. And what's one of those games or franchises that is in the 
like zeitgeist, but just doesn't connect with cozy. One of those games that's in the zeitgeist that just does not connect with me. I mean, I feel like, um, and I can't think of a game that is more in the zeitgeist uh, than this one. I think that the immediate example that comes to mind is Fortnite. Okay, okay. Um, that's fair. Yeah, so I only played Fortnite once. Uh, I played it at a party that was being held at an esports center in Montreal. Uh, this mm -hmm. is before the pandemic hit, as you can imagine. And I played through the kind of opening uh, kind of not tutorial uh, mission, but like introductory mission where you're kind of sent into a uh, game of Fortnite that's populated entirely by bots. And maybe the difficulty in that like initial match was set to a little bit too easy and that kind of influenced my, you know, perceived enjoyment of it. But I just found it... I found it this really weird mix of simultaneously being a little bit too easy to get through, yet also a little bit too cumbersome and confusing. Um, as you probably know from, you know, l listening to me talk in the show in the past, I love Apex Legends. And I think that what I love about Apex Legends is that the the skill floor to kind of get into Apex Legends on the ground level is pretty low. You don't have to be, I would say, a particularly skilled uh, first-person shooter fan to really kind of wrap your heads around that game. Same thing with uh, Call of Duty Warzone, for example. But with Fortnite, it's totally borked because Fortnite gives off a very kind of child-friendly aesthetic and is obviously enjoyed by kids around the globe. And yet I've personally found the skill ceiling to really kind of fully come to grips and understand how to play that game to be really high yet while simultaneously also not being all that difficult to actually get through at least based on again on the very limited time that i spent playing it yeah i was gonna actually say that that one was a surprising pick for me because i know how much you're into apex and it's not the exact same thing but it's the battle royal concept um so that'd be interesting. You know what? I'd be curious to see Cozy try Fortnite again with I all the upgrades and, and everything that's been done. I definitely need to play a proper match where I'm actually paired up against like actual like people and the heat is put on to me because who knows? Maybe, you know, r rough conditions produce diamonds. Maybe the uh, added intensity of other people will force me to actually really kind of come to grips and figure out the crafting system in that game. I just mm -hmm. found it like, I don't know, I just found it kind of a little bit extra. There are so many, like, little hidden mechanics and whatnots that you have to understand in these Battle Royale games to be a an expert at them. And I just found, like, being like, oh, yeah, and in addition uh, to all that, you have to know how to build these super elaborate fortresses in the blink of an eye to be really... Eh. It, it was just a it was just a big turnoff. No, personally. you're... You're right. There definitely seems to be high ceiling. Like when I watch people playing and they're somehow crafting things and still shooting, I don't know how they do it. Um, yeah. And it's just I, like when I look at high level Apex players versus high level Fortnite players, like I'm so much more impressed when I watch high level Apex players like ski around the battlefield and pull off really kind of clutch, impressive, like physical acrobatics as they move. Whereas when I watch people in Fortnite be like, oh shit, I heard a half of a footstep. I'm going to build a like Colosseum sized fortress that feels, it feels cheap to me, despite knowing at the back of my head that it is technically very skilled. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's interesting. I'd like to see you jump back in and just try a match or two and see if like, especially nowadays with all the upgrades and everything they've made. Um, to see see what your feelings are on it. I'd like to return to the previous question. But okay, let's return to the previous question. A I game would say, you thought you'd like but actually hated. Just to preference preface that for the people listening. Again, hate is like a, a strong term, um, but this actually this ties in pretty uh, intimately with uh, recent video game releases. I would say that the number one game that comes to mind is probably Skyward Sword. Um, so The Legend of Zelda uh, is yep. a series that for a very long time was very near and dear to me. Um, uh, the Legend of Zelda uh, um, A Link to the Past, the SNES game, was actually not one of the games that originally was given to me by Jordan Trevisono. It actually was given to me by a um, a friend uh, for like my birthday um, a few years after I got my SNES. And I really 
really, really, really love that game. Still one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, and from there, I kind of made a point over the course of the next decade of playing pretty much every Zelda game I could get my hands on, you know. Mm-hmm. Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, the original, um, the Wind Waker, and finally Twilight Princess on the Wii, uh, which was one of the first Wii games I played, of course, and which I, you know, really, really, really thoroughly enjoyed. Obviously, I can okay. go back to it nowadays, and you know, I can see Finest that it's issues. Yeah, yeah, it has its issues, yeah. but I, I still think it's a, a quality experience, um, and so you know. It's it's this thing where like Twilight Princess comes out in 2006 at the beginning of the Wii's life cycle, and then mm-hmm. you go the rest of the Wii with you know like very very scant information on what's going on with the next mainline Zelda game. You have uh, the Legend of Zelda like Phantom Hourglass, Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks during that time, which are both fun. You have Link's Crossbow Training, which I I will stand by as a dumb fun like ten dollar you know spinoff um, but it wasn't but like, ten dollars i mean if you count the you know the, the the plastic thingy that it came with you're correct but anyways oh, whatever okay whatever. keep going keep going uh, um but yeah really like there's really not a lot of information on what's going on with the next zelda and during the period of that period of time of course you know people were really coming down on nintendo for seemingly abandoning the hardcore gamer for appealing too much to the casual crowd i think a lot of people attributed savior status to the next zelda game this is going to be the game that you know uh, proves that Nintendo is a company that cares about the core gamer and that, you know, uh, humbles everyone. And, I, I, like, I remember, like, that first E3 where they unveiled Skyward Sword of 2010. I remember at the time looking at it being like, this looks good. This looks good. I like it, but at the back of my mind going, hmm, I don't know that I love it, but I'll hold out hope because I love Zelda. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, you know, E3 2011 comes around. They unveil that Link's going to be riding around on these giant birds called Loftwings. And once again, oh man, this is Zelda. I'm so excited. Mm, but those birds look kind of sus. They look kind of weird. Uh, but again, I'll have to hold out hope until the game finally releases. And the game finally releases in 2011. And I go through with it. And I beat it. And I I enjoy myself. And I just I kind of walk away from it being like, huh, this is kind of um, this is kind of the end of my relationship with Zelda. Mm. I um. I know a lot of people have a lot of love for that game. Uh, I On Twitter, I've been reading uh, a ton of people that have been like, oh man, I'm really enjoying Skyward Sword. I didn't think I would enjoy it at all, and I'm happy for those people. Who knows, maybe I might get some enjoyment out of it when I eventually do attempt it uh, once again. But yeah, that was. I think that is the ultimate example of a game that I definitely was really hoping would hit, really kind of hyping up to be this great thing that just didn't really do it for me yeah no i i get what you're saying about skyward sword personally because i had something similar um and for me it was the motion controls and those boss battles where you had to hit everything perfectly mm. and it just kind of i struggled with it so no i get that 100 percent. i am um, like the motion controls were not the biggest deal in the world for me i did kind of i took issue with the fact that like it felt like five years into the Wii's life cycle, Nintendo was only just beginning to be like, hey, this is us really kind of taking advantage of the promise of the Wii. You know what I mean? Like, I was kind of hoping that we would have seen games of Skyward Sword's, you know, caliber of motion control fidelity a little bit earlier on in the console's life cycle. Yep. I I think, like, to be honest, like, I think a huge reason for my disappointment with Skyward Sword just came down to the fact that, like, Almost a, exactly a year prior to Skyward Sword's release, I got my PlayStation 3. It was a, um, a joint purchase between myself and my family because I convinced them, like, hey, you can use this as a DVD and DVD Blu-ray player. player. Yep. And so we, the, they paid for half of it, I paid for half of it. And over the course of the year leading up to Skyward Sword's release, I played Mass Effect 2, I played Uncharted 1 and 2, I played a couple of other, like, triple a caliber games for the console and i think that after playing those games it was kind of like oof like 
you know, otherwise I would have been a little bit more impressed with, you know, Skyward Sword's uh, level of cinematic and, you know, visual flair. But now having played all those other great experiences, Skyward Sword just feels a little bit quaint, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's completely fair. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to move on to another question here. And this question, you have to give me a one or two word answer. Okay. Okay. What game have you spent the most amount of hours on? Uh, Pokemon Emerald. Oh, well, we already talked about that. I um, In Pokemon Emerald, there is a hour counter that counts how many hours you've spent playing the game. The hour counter goes up to 900 hours, uh, 999 hours and 99 minutes. And it has been at that counter for quite some time. Hmm. So, yeah. Um Okay, cool. Well, hey, that uh that does that. Um okay, so uh, where do I want to go with the questions here? Okay, this is I want to get into. What's the origin of your gamer tag or PSN ID? So, uh I I think it's like somewhat self-explanatory, but give us the story. Uh, yeah. So this is a complicated question to answer because I wish, I wish that I had Cozy Bear across every single, uh, social media and video game platform under the sun, but I don't. Um, Cozy Bear was a nickname that a few people gave to me when I was in high school. People would occasionally say, Hey, Cozy, instead of Kazina. And then Mm -hmm. at some point someone was like, Hey, Cozy Bear. Uh, and it was one of those things where, like, it wasn't exclusively just for me. There was, like, like you know, they would be like, hey, uh, Aruski Bear, hey, John Bear, or whatever. Um, but whatever. Regardless, I became Cozy Bear. And unfortunately, when I created my PlayStation Network ID, which is, like, I would say the big main, uh, like, v- uh, video game handle that I care about the most... Yep. Uh, I was not thinking like, oh man, I should brand myself all around this nickname I got in high school. And so I named myself Cozine Awesome with yep. Kazina at the end and Awesome at the beginning sharing the same A. Just because I was like, oh, what's something that combines my name and awesomeness? Kazine Awesome. Now, uh, nowadays, I really <laughs> I really hate that name because it's just, it, it, it sounds so like pompous. Like, oh man, I'm the awesomest guy ever when it's like uh no that, it's that just really uh self-advertising you're good yeah um and so yeah that's kind of the story there hmm okay okay um all right uh so we've talked about the origin of your name or tag okay so in all time of all yeah. time in your opinion what is the best video game console I would say that the best video game console, and this is probably not going to be a, a surprise considering that uh, a game that I've brought up twice so far um, in this uh, podcast episode is on this particular console, uh, mm-hmm. is the Game Boy Advance. And uh, I'm going to be very specific and say specifically the Game Boy Advance SP, uh, yep. I- including the version of the Game Boy Advance SP that had a brighter screen, which I did not have, but I was somewhat envious of. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked earlier on in this podcast about how uh, we both, you know, have really intimate memories of the Super Nintendo. Uh, you know, you, Nathan, were saying how you think it's a it's a great console to, you know, I- introduce uh, little kids to that you're trying to introduce um, retro gaming to because it the games on it definitely hold up a little bit better than say the NES. Like I played, I got my hands on my first Game Boy Advance like shortly after. I want I don't want to say shortly after, but it was like relatively soon after I got my hands on my cousin's Super Nintendo, and it was a real like natural progression from one to the other. Um, it very much felt like, hey, we took you know everything that we learned during the Super Nintendo era. And mm-hmm. we used it to produce these quality uh, experiences on this handheld console that are primarily sprite-based as well, but feature some quality of life and visual improvements that previously were not possible in the past. Now, I will say, like, 
And by the way, thank you, Mitch, for the raid. Very much appreciated. You, the man. Oh, thanks, Mitch. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, uh, I feel like I have to acknowledge the the platform's faults if I am to kind of like speak fully and fairly about it. The one problem with the Game Boy Advance is that it was definitely a console that was lacking in a few kind of uh, key Nintendo franchises. Namely, there was not like a unique Mario game for the Game Boy Advance. There were a lot of like remakes and re-releases of prior Mario games, but no exclusive Mario game for the console. Um, but putting that aside, you know, living with that, like you, you run down all of the quality experiences for that platform. You have Metroid Fusion, Metroid Zero Mission, uh, The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap. You have Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. You have all of the Gen 3 Pokemon games. Like the, the list goes on and on and it is a incredibly satisfying list. Yeah. No, the Game Boy Advance is great. And actually, I appreciate that you called out the uh, Clamshell SP because I think that is the best version of that console. Um, I hear people talk about the Micro, Game Boy Advance Micro, and I always thought that screen was too small to enjoy whenever the, I saw it. I, I, I very distinctly remember the Game Boy Advance Micro being announced when it came out. Um, and I was... I was not like super motivated to go out and get it right away because at mm -hmm. the time I was, there was like no reason for me to be interested in getting it. People really like love it and look back on it fondly, but the problem with the micro is that it was one of those consoles that like I felt became sold out immediately, and so there was never a good opportunity for me to pick one up at a good price. I'd like to own one one day though to test okay. out one of them because they seem like a they seem like a, I, I i totally understand your criticism uh nathan of the screen mm -hmm. being a little bit small but I, I i found myself to be pretty adaptable okay perfect um okay so we've talked about what the best video game console is um so i don't know this cozy and so let me clarify for me are you into scary games has there been a game, if you are, that's been too scary that you haven't wanted to continue playing? Because, like, for me personally, I I tend to nope out of scary games pretty quickly. But what? how does Cozy feel about that? I don't know. I'm pretty... I'm, I feel like I'm pretty ambivalent towards scary games, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, um... I guess... Like I'm not saying this is true of every single video game that I play, but I would say that I tend to enjoy games that feature, you know, kind of really like strong, uh, like punchy, like cartoony characters. And I feel like a lot of horror games, not to say that horror games are lacking in memorable characters, but a lot of horror games are lacking in characters of that kind of specific ilk. And so I tend to not gravitate towards them as strongly as some other people do. That being said, I have played through uh, a fair bit of the Dead Space series, for example. Yep. So there are there are examples of horror games that I do check out every now and then, but it's, again, it's not a series that I found myself particularly gravitated towards. And whenever I hear people talk about like, oh man, Resident Evil 4 was great back in the day, but the tank controls make it, not super great aging wise like mm -hmm. I, that tends to discourage me to be honest that's gay that's completely fair those tank controls are not great i remember playing grim fandango and tank controls for that trophy and that was not fun to go back to yeah i um i will say though um i purchased not purchased but downloaded um uh pt the playable teaser for yes. what would have been Silent Hills before that was removed from the PlayStation 4 store. It's still uh, saved on my PlayStation 4's hard drive. And I, uh, unfortunately, I was not able to fully complete the demo. I wasn't able to get past the final puzzle, but I like really enjoyed that experience. I thought it was, it, I thought its atmosphere was like thick as butter, like you could practically cut it with a knife. And I, I really respected it for that. So, Sweet. yeah. All right. Um, okay. So we've talked about scary games, um, obviously the horror games. I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to guess, but you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but what's your favorite gaming genre? And am I correct if I thought it was RPGs? 
yeah, I, I think you're probably, I think that you're, I, I think that you're pretty on the money. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that before um, the end of the Wii era, I probably would have just said that it was um, like action adventure games like Zelda, for example. Um, okay. But in, in the more modern era, I, I believe I told this anecdote on the podcast, but I remember when I played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Switch, like one of the th small things that annoyed me about that game that ultimately, you know, put me off from completing it uh, was the kind of lack of more kind of deeper or like n numerical role-playing game mechanics. Like that game borrows a lot from like role-playing games in terms of, you know, having this big sweeping inventory and weapon degradation and whatnot. But like, it didn't it didn't have like stats like okay this is the amount of strength that you have this is the amount of endurance that you have this is the amount of this and that that you have and i think that actually that actually the lack of that stuff was actually one of the things that put me off from playing it interesting okay, and so okay. with that with that particular memory at the back of my mind i would say yeah rpgs are definitely probably my genre of choice if like the a lack of RPG elements actually makes me deterred from playing one of the biggest games to come out over the past few years. All right, um, cool. Okay, so we're gonna keep moving along here. Have Have you ever wanted to live in a video game in a world from a game? And if so, which one and why? And is it Pokemon? I like the world of Pokemon. I will say that. You know, oftentimes people talk about how, like, hey, is the world of Pokemon really that humane when 10-year-olds get sent <laughs> off to travel the world uh, the moment that they come of age? And, you know, people use monsters to beat each other into submission. And I feel like, you know, uh, we kind of all accept it because it's just fantasy but i feel like actually living in the world of pokemon having the memories and you know opinions that i have now i feel like i would feel a little bit more weirded out by it to be That's honest true. so yeah uh but i mean I, all that being said I guess that Pokemon is probably, yeah, the world I would probably be most comfortable with. There, there are a few other like um, video game worlds though that I that do also come to mind. I um, I I'd love to live in the world of Persona, uh, okay. just because the world of Persona has you know supernatural elements. It occasionally yep. has you know villainous individuals that spring forth from the human subconscious, and you know attempt to you know enact nefarious plans to take over the world but like c compared to a lot of other role-playing game worlds the world of persona is pretty chill overall if you're just an average person living in the world of persona you can kind of just kind of get by without you know needing to constantly worry about the uh, sky falling down on your head like you have to quite literally in a game like Final Fantasy 7 for example um, and so yeah my only concern there is that I feel like if I were in the world of Persona and I you know came a little bit too close to the supernatural inevitably I would have to obtain a Persona of my own to fight with and then from there I probably would get thrust in some pretty dangerous situations so it's a give or take. I guess like what it really comes down to is I like fantasy worlds where I feel like you still get access to a lot of modern, you know, amenities. The, the, the world of The Legend of Zelda is a lot of fun, but, you know, I don't know that the plumbing in the world of Zelda is all that great. Yeah, I was going to say the pooping's not going to be great. Yeah. So, all right. Um, what's the game that you spent the most amount of money on? Ooh, hmm. Has there been something with microtransactions that Cozy has a guilty pleasure for and has put some money into? I don't know that this is 100% the game that I spent the most amount of money on, but I'm going to preemptively say yes, it is, unless another game immediately comes to mind over the course of the next few minutes. Um, Kingdom Hearts 
Union X, also known as Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. Unchained X, uh, yep. was the mobile Kingdom Hearts game for um, uh, iPhone and Android devices that released, um, I want to say, in the year 2016. Uh, that game was a gotcha game through and through, laden with um, no shortage of microtransactions and banners that you could pull from to obtain medals to, you know, improve your combat chances. And yeah, I 100% dropped a ton of money on that game. Um, but what I'm trying to figure out right now is like, if I were to add up the total amount of money that I spent on it, would it equal to like, say some pretty expensive collector's editions that I bought in the past? And that I don't know about okay but uh, yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say kingdom hearts uh union x aka kingdom hearts unchained x okay i think that's fair um usually it's those mobile games we all have one which connects with us the, the thing is is you know nowadays i can look back and i can chastise myself for spending quite a bit of money on microtransactions in that game but at the time um so fun fact that game was the game that introduced me to discord because in that mm-hmm. game you could form like little unions with up to 30 other people and we would occasionally use the in-game chat functionality to coordinate the destruction of raid bosses and eventually got to the point where we were like hey we really want to coordinate things what if we you know joined a social media platform and all you know organize things over there and someone was like hey have you heard about this new app called discord what if we use that and yeah there was a like pretty long period of like two three years uh where we were all chatting on discord having a great time spending a lot of money on the game but ultimately enjoying each other's company so uh, in the i'll say this kingdom hearts uh, unchained x slash union x definitely is not the guiltiest video game that i spent a lot of money on okay okay all right that's fair Completely fair. Okay, so we've talked about that. Who is your favorite villain from a game and why? Hmm. Hmm. I'm just going to make these weird cat noises for the rest of today's stream. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously... Is somebody that used to be a huge fan of The Legend of Zelda. Uh, I was and still do remain a huge fan of Ganondorf. Although I will say as, you know, as the video game industry has advanced, I am finding myself a little bit wanting for a Ganondorf that has maybe a little bit more dimension to him, mm-hmm. which who knows, based on speculation that people are having on the internet, maybe we'll get with uh, Breath of the Wild 2. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quite love GLaDOS from the uh, Portal series, as oh, was she's, Wheatley. She's so good. The, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, no, those are both great. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I like, I, obviously in Portal 2, spoilers, I love how the game kind of flips the script on you and actually shows you how, you know, GLaDOS is kind of a, a victim of her own kind of situation. And there there's some really fantastic exchanges with her and uh wheatley towards the end of the game i you know what i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna say wheatley slash glados from portal 2 i think the, uh, yeah the tag team of those two villains together are probably my favorite video game villains they're a great combination honestly i i know we put talk spoilers there but if you haven't played portal 2 yet um it's 10 years old at a minimum at this point so it's your fault um and you should have played portal 2 but yeah no glados is fantastic in that game wheatley's good there's some really great tour uh turns um uh what's his name uh does the voice of um nolan north right no not nolan north he does Um, the voice of the three cubes that you attach wheatley to in the final battle no i'm thinking um the one who does the voiceovers when you go underground cave johnson that yeah that's the name of the character i don't know who betrays him it's um uh luckily we have access to the internet world wide web so it's it's good it's the guy who plays j jonah jameson oh um is it really him yeah 
Uh, yeah, it's J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Okay. Simmons. There we go. Um, well, and that, even, that's kind of funny because he does look like J.K. Simmons as well in terms of his appearance. So yeah. funny that they actually are one in the same. I'm kind of surprised I pulled the name Cave Johnson out and I couldn't remember J.K. Simmons, which I haven't used the name Cave Johnson in a bazillion years. Um, but just the entire voice work for that game is fantastic. So, And GLaDOS is such an interesting and fractured character, especially once you learn her backstory. Mm. Um, okay, so we're at that. Uh, so, are there any games that you're really bad at that just... Cozy don't play. Cozy don't play that game. Games that I'm real bad at. I mean, I feel like it's a it's a cheap answer to say like a lot of the sports games, for example. Mm-hmm. I, I've dabbled in a little bit of every sports game under the sun, and they've never really connected to me. But I don't know if you would maybe like quantify that answer as well it doesn't it's not that you're bad at them you just don't connect to them like Fortnite from earlier in the podcast okay uh, all right i'd say yeah you know, get, get, hold on hold on hold on something's coming to me something's coming to me it's coming into focus i i there's this one like one game that's like screaming to me at the back of my brain that i i'm trying to like desperately, desperately remember. Oh, you know what? Uh, Hotline Miami. Mm. Very, very specific of an example. Like, like this is no. Uh, hey, I, I, I don't know if you were asking for like a specific like franchise or no, genre, hey. but yeah, Hotline Miami. You know the the reason why that game came to mind is that um, back in the day, I was a huge fan of the Vita. Um, yes. Of course, you know, as you should have Rest been if you peace. owned a Vita. Rest in peace. They just closed down the opportunity to submit new games for the platform, which is, you know, real sad. Um, yep. All right. And if you were somebody that listened to Podcast Beyond or any of the other <laughs> like big PlayStation podcasts back in the day that, you know, uh, evangelized the Vita, Hotline Miami was one of those games that got brought up all the time it was you know persona 4 golden uh it was luminous it was a couple of other sound shapes sound shapes guacamelee and it was hotline miami and like i like if i were to rattle off all the games i've played on the vita it is like i've beaten basically almost every single classic for that platform every single game that was on those like you know games you got to play on the vita list except for hotline miami i did download hotline miami i did boot up hotline miami and i just i i just was never kind of able to wrap my head around how to play it it just never clicked with me i got hotline miami on pc initially and it didn't like the keyboard and mouse controls did not work for me whatsoever and i went back to it on vita when it came to vita uh, because of the good word of mouth. And actually, I beat the first game, but then the second game is where I quit it um, because they made the second game much harder with lots of windows and open areas that made like the puzzle-solving elements of the first one go almost away. Hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I could completely see that. It took me a long time to get the feel for Hotline Miami. And that's, I'd have to assume that if I really kind of sat down and gave it like sufficient time, I'd probably be able to wrap my head around how it's played because that was very much a problem that I had in the past with the Soulsborne series where I really struggled to connect with those games. And then eventually I kind of got acclimatized to the way that they are supposed to be played. Um, But TBD on when I ever go back to that series. Completely fair. Um. What's more important, the gameplay or the story or the graphics? I'm I'm pretty tolerant of mediocre graphics. There have definitely been a few instances where I would say that the graphics have been a turnoff, but I would say that graphics are probably third priority for me. Excuse me on the burp. Um, and then when it comes to gameplay and story... Like, here's the thing. I, I'm only willing to tolerate 
video games that are relatively light on story when I feel like mm-hmm. it is just a a kind of puzzle game a purely like uh, kind of like how do you say like um like an abstract experience like luminous for example where yeah. there's l- literally no attempt at a story made whatsoever except I suppose whatever you interpret it as having story wise um and it, in contrast, like when a video game attempts to have a story, but it's doing a real poor time at it, I tend to be way more critical of it there, even if gameplay wise, the game is really stellar. And so I would say that, yeah, probably story is probably number one for me in terms of priority, followed very, very closely by gameplay. Okay. Hey, that's fair. Um, and actually, yeah, bringing up Luminous, which is a great gameplay, but almost no story. Um, I like to think it's about saving the dimension from cubes that are falling. Um, mm. But yeah, that's really it. Okay, so is there a game that is considered to be really bad, but you secretly love? Hmm. This is tough because I, I feel like I'm pretty... I'm pretty good at like being honest about the games that I love. Like I always, mm-hmm. I very much express how much I enjoy games like Kingdom Hearts: Chain of Memories, for example, which are um, game is a game that you know is not super beloved within the Kingdom Hearts community, but that I you know really enjoy as well. It, um, continuing on with the subject of Kingdom Hearts, like um, there's another Kingdom Hearts game called Kingdom Hearts Recoded. So this is spelled R-E, then colon, and then coded. Yeah. Um, it was released in 2011 for the DS, I believe. I might get some of the, I might have some of those details wrong, but I'm pretty confident of that. That game is like even more disliked than Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Like people really have a hate boner for that one. But I think that that game is another like surprisingly stellar experience. I actually think that gameplay wise, it's like one of the most well paced Kingdom Hearts games, which if you played a JRPG in real time, you know that a huge problem that JRPGs in general have is that they, their pacing can be kind of all over the place. Um, and so yeah that that's an that's an example i would say of a game that people really love to hate on that i actually genuinely really enjoyed back in the day now in uh, the kingdom hearts collection is that the one that they took the game out of and just gave you the cutscenes to yes, watch that yeah th- that's one of the two games of that ilk it was chain of memories the other one uh no, Chain of Memories got a PlayStation 2 remake in the year 2009, and they basically included the PlayStation 2 remake of that game in the collection. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. The the All other right. game that they that they kind of turned into just a cutscene collection basically was Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, mm. which is the other Kingdom Hearts game released for the DS, which is another example of a Kingdom Hearts game that people... I would say... Kingdom Hearts fans generally like that game. People outside of the Kingdom Hearts community don't like that game because they think that the name is really, really, really dumb. Which it is really, really dumb. Make make no mistake, it's a real dumb name, but the actual game itself is fun. It's actually, of all the Kingdom Hearts games, it's actually the most like Persona in terms of its structure, where it goes on a like day-by-day basis. Every single day you are assigned to some sort of mission and then you kind of de-stress at the end of the day by having a talk with your friends and kind of chatting about life and stuff. It's actually, it's real, real good. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Like, that game will forever be, I think, the game that spawned people making fun of Japanese games. Like, with the names. Because of that name. Because whenever you hear them making fun, like, if you hear, listen to Kind of Funny, and you hear Greg Miller talking, and they're making fun of Japanese names, they always throw a 352 over something at the end Mm. of whatever the name they put in there. Um, Okay. Yeah. What's the worst game you've ever played? Oh, here we go. The worst game that I've ever played. I um I have two games, two games that immediately come to mind. Uh game number 1 is mm-hmm. a game called Albedo Eyes from Outer Space. Now, uh we've not been showing a lot of footage on screen over the course of this podcast, but I'm going to just give me a quick second cuz I want to pull up a little bit of footage of this game. 
Um, Albedo Eyes from Outer Space, it was a PC game that was ported to PlayStation 4. Um, and I played it because I was in the middle of a trophy war that was being hosted on the kind of funny forums back in the day. And this game was advertised as having a very quick one hour platinum. Uh, spoilers, it did not take one hour because it was real confusing to get through. Basically, it's a it's a 3D adventure game, like in this in the vein of like the old LucasArts adventure games, oh. like Day of the Tentacle, but like in a 3D like space, um, and that is kind of set within a world that's meant to be kind of a pastiche of like cheesy 1950s horror movie tropes, where basically you're trying to kind of stave off like an alien invasion at the hands of these eyeball monsters that live inside these ufos okay i want to say right now the the trailer that is playing for this game none of the footage in this trailer that you're looking at right now is in the actual game okay here we go this is actual <laughs> gameplay footage okay there so when go. you mean 3d it's kind of more like mist than it is yeah 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 it's first person okay i was imagining something more like because they did do some like Gr like grim fandango or monkey island curse the ps2 one yeah curse of monkey island no that's the third one um but yeah Anyways. where you control like an avatar on the screen but no this is more like a mr ribbon style game yeah this was um yeah, th this game was just it was just awful like the voice acting was awful the the puzzles were like real awful and shitty like every single inch of this game was just real bad to get through with it it's only saving grace b being that it was pretty short not quite an hour short but pretty short and it had a platinum that it handily and uh, handed to you at the end of it um I would, and I, I do want to just before I move on, I do kind of feel a little bit bad because I'm pretty sure that the story with this game is that it was actually made by one person. Oh, like wow. it, it's one of the, one of those sorts of things. Which, if you were to just look at like still screenshots from this game, you'd be like, oh, okay, uh, this is a 2016 PlayStation 4 game made by one person. This isn't that bad, but don't don't actually play it because it's 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 a pretty pretty bad experience. Um, okay. I would say, though, and you'll have to excuse me because I've been talking for quite a bit about these bad games, but yeah. I I do want to talk for just a second, though, about the game that I truly believe to be the worst game that I've ever played, and it's the, uh, I want to say, 2008 uh, Alone in the Dark game. This is the the it was the game that was just called Alone in the Dark, although I believe that the PlayStation 3 version of it was called Alone in the Dark Inferno. Uh, this is another game that I played as part of the uh, like PlayStation Trophy Wars that were being hosted on the kind of funny forums back in the day. Uh, and I was basically drawn to the game because everybody described it as being another relatively easy, like short platinum. But <laughs> like legitimately like i was so turned off by how bad this game was within the first couple of hours of playing it that i i straight up abandoned trying to platinum it oh wow like to this day it is the only game that i started playing purely with the express purpose of platinuming it that i abandoned partway through because i just could not bear it okay all right yeah. we got we're going to be wrapping up on time here because we're about to hit the hour mark here but i got one final Super important question for Cozy. Let's hear it. Are you ready? Yes. Would you give up video games for life and receive a million dollars in cash, or would you refuse the money? I mean, million dollars in cash feels a little bit paltry. I'm going to be honest. I, I I would say pretty definitively no. I'll, okay, I'll, $10 eventually, million in cash. Hmm. See, I feel like at some point I'm going to come up with like a really weird and unorthodox business scheme that nobody could have anticipated. Like in the same way that I pivoted to doing Codes vs. Cooking on Twitch, I'm going to announce a few years from now, hey, I'm coming out with a book on how to be a pro skateboarder and that's going to finally kick my finances off. Um, and so, you know what? I'm going to say no to 10 million as well. I feel like I okay. can... I feel like I can figure out how to get my hands on 10 million somehow. 
Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, I, I think I said I would when I got asked this question before, but I think it's an interesting question to see where people, uh, where people fall. Um, all right. Um, okay. So with that, we are just hitting the hour mark right now, Cozy. So Ooh. I feel like I've gotten to know Cozy quite a bit better this episode. Uh, so thank you for taking the time. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I th thank you, Nathan. You were a great interviewer. And uh, I hope that everybody currently watching or listening to this episode, you know, learned a lot about your boy Cozy. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, with that being said, then let's wrap up. Um, thank you for tuning in to Press YYZ. I don't have my regular outro here, so I'm going to make this all up. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Press YYZ. Uh, you can find us on Twitch live at 8 p.m. every Wednesdays, give or take a few minutes, um, at press uh, twitch.tv slash pressyyz. You can come join our Discord server at invite.gg slash pressyyz. Did I get that one mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I'm, I'm nailing this without any script. Um, so, yeah, come and join the conversation. We always are posting cool stuff. There's uh, tons of talk about sports right now um, as they are, have a, a new expansion team hitting the NHL. So uh, our sport discord has been very active and we've been talking a lot about the Disney shows. So come and join the discord. We'd love to have you there. Um, and, yeah, with that being said, we're going to see you guys next week. Um we're going to see you guys next week. Uh, so everybody have a great night. Thanks for tuning in and uh, keep playing.